And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry. Hear that couple shouting, it's Dainer and Jay. It's Dainer and Jay. All right, the presenting sponsor for today's episode to hear that podcast growling is Visa, a network working for everyone. Welcome in to HTPG. Paul Inner Jr. here with Jay Morrison of The Athletic. What's going on? Sad. Very, very sad. Sad? Tonight was supposed to be my final concert of the year. Mm. Uh, Chris Stapleton at Riverbend. And Chris Stapleton, like Joe Burrow, is on voice rest and canceled the show. So Inspired by coming to Cincinnati, decided to let yeah. voice rest take one more hit <laughs> it's like wait you can do that you, you can you can not work just because your voice <laughs> apparently i i we're not on voice rest though we're here for you because no. the game's too big uh and there's too much to discuss you know a lot of times that we were talking about what we want to do on the show and, and a lot of times we we often go off into some very i don't know what you would call some very fun portions of covering the NFL and thinking about the game and big picture because kind of we have to, because sometimes that's what you got to do when the team has not been great or relevant. So today we're going to kind of take this opportunity to talk a lot about the game. I know it's different for us. I know it's not the normal wheelhouse, but you know what? The game's pretty important. Uh, and it's far more important than it has been. One of the biggest ones we've seen around here in a long time. We discussed that uh, a lot on Tuesday's podcast. In case you haven't listened, we have a lot of discussions about sort of the big picture meaning of this game and what can come of it. Uh, so we're going to kind of focus a little bit on the game, but there is a little bit else to get to. So we're going we're gonna to jump into some news. We're, of course, going to have Jeff Zrebeck from Baltimore on to help us and, and give incredible insight uh, into everything that's going on in Baltimore, who has been a fascinating team. And uh, it's good to talk to him to catch up on all the madness that's happened around them this year because they have been a show um, of between the injuries and the COVID stuff and Lamar breakout and wild late primetime games. It's just like, man, they have been a, a crazy one to follow. Um, little news to get to here let's joe burrow on voice rest we mentioned that so we did not speak to the media on wednesday uh so we we didn't get a chance to hear from him but um he spoke sunday after the game uh, but apparently i guess he must have the doctors have said that they didn't want him to talk anymore after that um so be it nobody cares about our frustrations with that jay i i mean I think they just did it so they wouldn't get fined because he has to speak once a week and he didn't talk after green Bay cause he went to the hospital and he didn't talk on Wednesday for throat rest and then or for voice rest. And then he, he plays the full game. It's almost like they had to wheel him out there uh, Sunday after the Lions game or risk getting fined. And now the clock starts again where he doesn't have to go Wednesday. Um, but I would assume we will hear from him post game in Baltimore. 
however the game goes. We shall see. Uh, we'll keep monitoring it. It's you know it's supposed to as soon as he is medically cleared. I, I, the expectations are that he will continue to fulfill his contractual obligation. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, Akeem Adeniji's back out off the tw- out. He's into the twenty-one day window. He, he tore his pec in May, so he apparently has been been pretty healthy for a while. I I, I won't say. You know, without really knowing that this is an advanced timeline necessarily, but it does feel like you're hearing his name a little sooner than maybe we anticipated. But it, it did happen pretty early in the summer. Uh, so, and and look, they're at a spot right now where Fred Johnson is now your backup guard at one spot with Deontay Smith and Xavier Suafilo um, on IR. So you're now your fourth tackle spot is kind of open you know Trey you got you got Trace Trey Hill in there and you're kind of trying like he's a he's a guard but also a backup center and Trey Hopkins is is being limited coming off of his knee injury there's just more the merrier you know Mm. (laughs) is kind of what I think they decide you decide to look at now and the point they made was Zach Taylor said look I We've not seen him in Frank's system because he got hurt before we ever really started doing anything. So the 21-day window, there's no rush on that right now. But they want to get him in there and practice it and try to get him up to speed. Yeah, and I mean, they they were really high on him last year. And he can, he can play guard and tackle. That I mean, that's key where you you have a lot of questions at guard right now if, if Jackson Carmen – doesn't continue to ascend or if there's there's more injury there i mean it you saw it did not look good when when trey hill was in for his brief start on on sunday against detroit so i, I think that that is a a subtle advantage that you know a lot of people might overlook that transaction and say oh backup lineman back but it i, I think that is a big deal and i i, I think it is substantial too because you're you, so many times you see torn pecs result in out for the year and yes, this one happened earlier than than you usually see it happen, but um, it does feel like that this is sooner than they could have hoped for him to come back. So I, I, my prediction right now from is I think we'll see him at some point. I think we'll see him play mm-hmm. at some point this year. I think at some point Akeem Denji will take snaps for this team. Is 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 my gut on that? Um, we've got the Bengals are doing the the national media tour this week, of course, with the big game and. And kind of the talk we've seen. I think we, Trey Hendrickson was on Good Morning Football. Jamar Chase is doing something on on with Randy Moss on something. I kind of we've been talking about how he keeps ending up in these conversations with Randy Moss because him and Randy Moss were the only two to do 500 yards receiving and five touchdowns through their first six games. Well, he's doing an actual interview with Randy Moss. It'll be on Sunday NFL Countdown. Uh, it looked like on the according looking in the photo that Thad Moss pops his head in, <laughs> and, and which I which I like. I like that. The one thing that that cracks me up about it, and, and Jay, I have a question for you on this. If someone was willing to make merchandise for you that just was a picture of yourself and said "chosen one," would you wear it around? Um, if I was as good as Jamar Chase, I might. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like 
I made it. Well, so I guess what would that be? Like Peter Peter King is going around with a picture of himself. It's his chosen one on it. You know, it's like the the, the best out there. You know, I I love that. I, but it's like athletes. That's just the mentality, right? Like you can do stuff like this. I just I love the brashness of a picture of yourself, and you just call yourself the chosen one on a sweatshirt that you're going to sell. I mean, he has that that just glaring necklace too he was wearing it post game in detroit and that 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 thing i don't know how much that cost but it's the big number one and it says chosen one on it just works out perfect with the number he's wearing and and in that term and yeah he's he's not shy about it at all you don't think he wanted to go with chosen five like for being chosen fifth <laughs> doesn't have the same ring <laughs> not quite the same no uh so look out for for that coming on sunday if you're looking for something to do pregame besides catch up on old episodes of here that podcast ground of course um injury wise jalen davis josh tupo and trey hopkins all did not practice on wednesday it was kind of a lighter practice as you might they're they're big ones more on thursday but we'll keep an eye on tupo and davis in particular who um, you know obviously got must have had dings coming from the game on Sunday in Detroit. Hopkins has been doing this. They've been really just mm-hmm. taking it easy on him during the week uh, as he is is just trying to keep that knee healthy enough to play on Sundays. Um, Jackson Carmen's still taking it easy, but was, it was limited. So you know he's yeah, theoretically probably on track to play, but it's it's just a lot of. Get to feeling better. I think you know COVID really hit him hard, um, and he's he's still kind of working through that. Speaking of, uh, Samaje Pirine is back and activated on Thursday morning off of COVID reserve, so he'll be back in the mix on Sunday, uh, assuming he's feeling okay, um, along with Chris Evans and uh, and Joe Mixon, obviously. So you have your full stable uh, of of running backs there. Uh, we had a few interviews on Wednesday, but there was one particular moment of levity that I enjoyed. Uh, it, we had Mike Hilton at the podium in front of the cart, and Mike Hilton uh, does his thing and talks about 10 minutes, and everybody's kind of out of questions, so he stands there and asks if that's it, and then kind of leans into the microphone, and, well, here's what happened. We just know... Uh Certain situations, we know he's going to find 89, so we just got to make sure we're in position to make the play. Extend Jesse Bates. (laughs) How great is that? It was awesome. I love how great is that? I, I wonder if he's going to start a trend. If every defensive guy that goes up there, I mean, I'm sure they see the reaction to that. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if that becomes a thing now with these these defensive guys. I I love it. And I thought, you know what? I actually thought when Zach Taylor was asked about this, I think mm-hmm. James, I think James Rapine did, um, about Jesse Bates and, and Mike Hilton saying that. And I thought his response was really interesting that, you know, it's like – he, his point was, I actually think that's a good thing. It, you want guys that care about each other, that are that are buddies, that root for each other, that support each other, and 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 sometimes that support is directed at the front office saying, "Give mm-hmm. this man his money." But it's it's not it's not done in a way of you know of saying I'm anybody's unhappy here. It's it's support for teammates and, and maybe a show of some of 
the chemistry uh, that has happened in the locker room. Now, that could be the ultimate spin machine that I'm just eating up, but I, I do believe that. I mean, I, 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 I see that point of view and think that, one, it's entertaining for us, and two, I think there's some truth to that. Yeah, and it's 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 not typical. So many times these guys say they don't want to get involved in teammates' contract discussions. They say that's business, that's that's them. You you rarely hear anybody comment on somebody else's contract situation. So I I do think it was it wasn't just funny, it was notable that that Mike did that. And again, I, I wonder if it's gonna become a thing. It was you could tell it was totally pre planned. Because normally, as soon as there's any pause at all, these guys are taking that step to the right to get get away from the the microphone and go on with their day's work. And Mike was just standing there waiting, waiting, waiting. I mean, the 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 dead air there was almost kind of uncomfortable. As you know, you like want to kind of wave at him, but you don't want to take the Bengals media relations job and say, "Okay, you're done." But it's like, come on, somebody move this guy along. And and then he leans in and says that, and you you can hear from the clip that the reaction it was it was well received. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed it, and uh, thanks thanks to Mike Hilton for that moment of levity. But <laughs> you know, we'll we'll see where that ends. Of course. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I have a story up now that I spent a bunch of time in. We we've talked about this a little bit, um, but you know it 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 tickled my fancy a little bit, Jay, and I mean that in the in the nicest way possible, in a very nondescript way. Uh, I just I was really interested by it and really wanted to talk more in depth about how this happened and why this happened. It came up last week as I was doing some of the stuff, um, oddly enough, on where they were struggling and on the third and manageable stuff. And, and part of that conversation with Brian Callahan, he ended up kind of touching on how remarkable it's been, how he's trying to do this, apply a lot of the same things they did in the red zone to the short yardage stuff and and talked about how they just gutted the entire thing and started all the way over and, and the process of doing that. And I found it really fascinating. And so started digging more into it talk, and, and and talked to Zach Taylor about it uh, at length as well, um, CJ Uzama, and, and went and rewatched all the red zone reps from this year to try to find – you know some elements of themes and things that were going on that's all in the story if you want to go just go to the you can click on the link on twitter uh link is in that will be in the show notes here uh and you can just go to go to our Bengals page on the athletic 
and subscribe, please, if you're not. If you're a subscriber, of course, thank you. Uh, but it, I, I, I wanted to go all the way into it, and I just I I found it a really fascinating thing in the in the the process of how you go about taking something. The Bengals were last two years combined, dead last in the NFL in red zone, dead last. Not only dead last in efficiency of scoring touchdowns, they had eleven turnovers. <laughs> only. Only the Panthers, who had 12, had more than eight. It's just the Bengals and the Panthers down there with all these turnovers the last two years in the red zone. So not only are you bad, you're giving the ball to the other team. I mean, just you're not even kicking field goals. and So it's just a disaster area. It has been. And guess what? When you lose a lot of one-score games, <laughs> that matters. Are you looking for the difference between a team that wins the one-score games and loses the one-score games? like the 2021 Bengals versus the previous two editions, you can point to them gutting, rebuilding, and now being best in the league in red zone. Mm -hmm. Now, somebody's saying, Paul, I look at the stats. They're not best in the league. They're third. <laughs> no, no. I am not going to count kicking two game-winning field goals on purpose <laughs> as a, a red zone fail. The one... Against Jacksonville, they weren't even in the red zone until Samaje runs from like the 22 to the 17 on that one run they did, and then they kick. So there's not even a play, a red zone play to watch. It's just the game-winning field goal. Uh, you know. And then against Minnesota, it was a spike. <laughs> it was a spike and a kick. Uh, so, no, those don't count. They are 100%, which obviously would be best in the NFL in the red zone. They actually have the fewest snaps. Uh, 25 total reps, which which is nice for me to write this story. I could very easily watch all of them uh, without <laughs> compared to uh, the Bucks, who have 82, I believe. <laughs> so it's nice to be writing about the Bengals red zone, not the Bucks red zone. But it's fascinating. I want to start with a portion of my conversation with Zach Taylor about it, and then we'll expound on it. Um, so so here is a here's a a pretty good portion of talking with Zach Taylor about the red zone rehab, how it happened and how it's reached the point that it is now. Where did that, what was like the starting point of that for you guys? When did you kind of say, okay, let's reset and, and how did that begin? Well, it just, it hadn't been good enough over two years, yeah. really, you know? And so you just, you gotta be critical of what you're doing. And, and then it's just a balance of finding things that we believe attack um, the primary coverages we're going to face, and then and then what is the quarterback really like and believe in? And uh, yeah. you know he's pretty upfront with that kind of stuff, especially in the red zone with with concepts he likes. And so um, we've just honed in on that. You know, you just instead of repping twenty different things, you just rep you know this this handful of things that we've started to believe in, and it's it's served us well so far through the first six games. I mean, what? Is, it, is that different? I mean, just kind of, uh, you know, less is more approach than, than what you've done other places? Or, or why was that kind of where you landed? Yeah, it's, it's just, it, it's that one area. You don't know how many reps you're going to get a game. You know, it can be anywhere from zero to ten snaps a game. And you devote um, a decent amount of time to it. Uh, but we just want to make sure that we're we're just prepping the same things each and every week. And, and we've been fortunate because we've really only gotten like three or four red zone plays a game. 
and we've happened to score pretty quickly. And so there's still a lot of things that we rep that week that we feel good about that carry over to the next week where we've gotten good work in and and uh, our guys believe in it. We just carried over the next week and we called the next week and, and we've happened to score on that. And so it's just um, part of what I think what's been good is just how efficient we've been on the plays that we've called um, to where you know we're accumulating all these reps and some things still haven't shown up in games that people would, wouldn't see on the tape. But yeah. we've been repping them. We believe in them. They're going to pop up, and they're going to be in critical moments for us. And we know that we've gotten 20, 30 reps on them, and they just we haven't had to use them yet in the game. So it's just been good good for us so far in the low red. Being so good at the plays you have had and hitting the long balls and everything else, it's like everybody else has like three times as many red zone yeah. <laughs> plays as you guys do this year. But that's good when you feel like you've got a bunch of stuff you have in the bank. He, Brian was saying, he's like, you know, I remember talking to Burrow and saying it took like a week for your defense in camp to kind of figure out some of what you guys were doing and him saying, man, if it takes the defense a week, how long is it going to take the league to, you know, yeah. over the course of the game and how great that is to know the, how many different things you can do out of it and how that can kind of be hard for teams to catch up with. Yeah, it, it is. We can dress it up. We, we can dress the similar concept up many different ways mm-hmm. and it can present completely differently to different receivers and, um, but at the end of the day, is our, our guys have confidence in what we're asking them to do. And that's when you guys are playing fast and they have confidence because they know it works, then um, that usually leads to success. Like even, even the rep to CJ the other day for the touchdown, it was covered. I mean, it was yeah. wired, you know, but our just guys have just, we've repped these plays so many times that all right, he's covered, he's covered. I'm going to give CJ a shot. CJ's going to make the play because that's just what he does. And uh, we just all executed with a lot of confidence. It works out for us. And it continued a streak of yet to have an incompletion in the in the red area besides the spike. I didn't realize that. You are. Yeah. <laughs> that is, uh, it was 13 passes, 12 completions, one spike, seven touchdowns. It, has he gotten... Has he gotten better that way too, or is it just the fact that the thing is a little bit more geared towards him and what he does well now? Yeah, I don't. I don't want to take away credit from how he's performed down there in the red zone, but I think that's probably a, a pretty decent change from college. It's just the structures of the red zone defense you face, mm-hmm. and so just the more experience you get in the league, um, you start to see a lot of the different coverage structures that change down there. You know, inside mm-hmm. the seven yard line, and and so again, he just he's pretty comfortable. With, with what he sees and, and how he wants to attack it. Yeah. And we, and we got good players. You know, I mean, that, that yeah. helps. It helps. You got, you got guys that we trust can all win one-on-ones, all of them. And not every team goes into the red zone feeling that way. Um, we do. All right, there's, there's Zach Taylor talking about some of the red zone stuff. And, you know, what I really found to be fascinating, Jay, was you, you, the, that's, it's the important part of coaching. Admitting what you stink at, mm-hmm. <laughs> and saying, "Can we can we start over here? Let's let's re- how can we redo this? This is not working for us." And how and the idea of not to okay, well, let's add a bunch of stuff. The exact opposite. Let's find a few core concepts, things that we think our guys do well, and let's find a million ways to do them where it's still the same concepts for us. It's simple for us, but it is what Brian Callahan called the illusion of sophistication to the defense. And, man, it has worked great because the red zone is so much about schemes and windows and quarterback processing, and they they do seem like they have a great confident mix of that going on right now. 
Yeah, you know, it's not the first time they've done this. You you had that great story two years ago where they ripped up the running game on the flight to London and and saw immediate production from from doing that. That is, I, I think, a big thing to to have a coach willing to do that to to say this isn't working we have to rip it up rather than taking the my way or the highway approach and you guys need to figure this out i know this will work if you guys just execute um i think that's one of the the reasons that 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 players are so behind zach is that that he does listen to them and he 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 doesn't have this authoritative you know dictator type command of the team that there's there's input all around and it it I was surprised. You you texted me before you wrote the story and said they only had one incompletion in the red zone and it was a spike. And I, yeah, you know they're doing well, but that just that really surprised me. It is it's been remarkable because it's 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 been this um this roller coaster because in 2018, even though they were so bad after that good start, they were really good in the red zone that year. And then it just fell apart Zach's first two years and they they do what they need to do. They they distill it down to the, the the concepts they like and come up with all these tweaks off of it. And it's 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 been pretty remarkable to 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 not just turn it around, but to completely flip it from last to first. You just don't see that very often. No, I mean, and just to see immediate dividends. Yeah, I mean, Burrow hit fifty four percent of his red zone passes last year. Fifty four percent. That was twenty ninth out of 35 qualifying quarterbacks. And now he doesn't have an incompletion, which is first. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's, you know, he, his passer rating is the best. I mean, all these things. It's, it, but the only thing is you say, well, are we on a small sample size alert here? Because they do only have technically 10 drives. We're talking about if you're throwing out the two game winning field goal attempts, which is mm-hmm. what the premise is here. Um, and that's the fewest. We've talked about the reasons for that. I mean, they've hit, they've hit some from just outside of the red zone. The the play that I mentioned in here, that's a concept of using their wide zone run to get everything flowing to one direction, and then the inside either they've used it as with the receiver with Auden Tate. If you remember the last touchdown that they had on Sunday, Brandon Allen to Auden Tate runs underneath the line coming in the direction. And, you know, this defensive end who is worried about charging in to cut off the backside run all of a sudden has a receiver sprinting at him the other direction. That's his responsibility if if the backer is not paying attention and seeing him, which they usually aren't, you know, you end up with a guy running all alone. It's the ultimate marrying the run game with the pass game stuff. Um, they did the same thing that C.J. Uzama's first touchdown against Jacksonville. They did it with the tight end. Again, you talk about taking a same philosophy and the same concept and dressing it up different ways. You can have the tight end use it out of inline. You can have the, the receiver use it. You know, there's And there's different other things. They, the one time they had a receiver uh, doing a, a sweep motion the other direction to even more emphasize the run to the right and doing the reverse bootleg the other way. Um, you know, you see that stuff happen and it's 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 all part it's all connected as part of that and that's been some of the genius of it for them is you just there are these things these few small things you do and you can make them all look different and do them different ways and and it works well you know another reason the sample size is so small jamar chase 
Yes. I mean, is, it, is anybody going <laughs> to say, hey, we let, let's we don't need these long touchdowns. Let's drive into the red zone more often. Nobody's going to ask for that. So, yes, I mean, Jamar, Jamar Chase's ability to, to catch these deep balls and for touchdowns um, has taken away some of those some of those red zone opportunities as well. It it is it's it's been really really surprising to see them turn it around as well as they have and it it, ha- it was the, the, your story's great anybody hasn't re- read it yet should because there's so much detail in there and then there's there's clips of plays you can see exactly what Paul's talking about exactly what what Zach and Brian Callahan are talking about and it's just a it's a, a really fun read and it's also a really informative read yeah no you're right the 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 sample size come when you're when you're just hitting bombs too that's uh, that's also that's also nice uh, you know and and you end up you end up at this points per drive thing and we've broken that down a lot last yeah. week of their struggles on third and manageable and in, in getting them more opportunities in the red zone but the thing of the small sample size is as Zach mentioned and you heard in that piece is it leaves a lot of the stuff that they have in the bank in the bank. You know, mm-hmm. they feel like they have not had to use a ton of it yet, a more dressing, more concepts that they haven't even pulled out yet um, that are available to them that they have so many reps on. And, you know, it's that's why they said less is more with this and pair it down to core concepts because you want to just – you want guys to be playing fast and with confidence because you feel like you have these great one-on-one matchups that you can win in particular routes, like way, the way they use Tyler Boyd in empty to get him matched up on linebackers and those play philosophies they've used multiple times down there. And you you get yourself set up so that you can convert these – and end up in a situation where you're you're down there doing these all the time, but when you're when you're running them with confidence, that's really the difference. Is these guys have repped it so much in practice? It's like you've done this play twenty times, so it's faster. It clicks faster. You know what you're doing. There's there's a sense of understanding exactly what's going to happen and belief in it that makes the plays more effective. And and it's on the coaches to make them look a little bit different to the defense. And on the players to run it fast and be confident, and that's where they found a nice mix thus far. We'll see if it continues. Like you said, it took the defense a week uh, to figure it out, yeah. and then they started being waiting on it and figuring it out. How long will it take the league? Well, we're six weeks in. We haven't seen it yet. At some point, they will. Um, at some point, more of these will be exposed, and people will be waiting on it, maybe on Sunday, to blow up my story. <laughs> uh, but, but, um, we're, we're still kind of waiting on that and it's, it's uh, pretty remarkable the success they've had. Yeah. They, I mean, the, the thing that they said about the, the defense not catching up because it was the, the defense was really owning the offense early in camp and then they, they start working the red zone stuff and they, that they just ate them alive and it took a, it took the defense the, the week to catch up. It, I wonder when they start, when they break open the bank and when they start pulling stuff out, because do you know, do you do it in a big game like this against Baltimore, or do you maybe wait until the second time you play Baltimore, the, the second time you play Pittsburgh after some of these teams ha- have seen you once, obviously they see everything on tape, but seeing it in person is a, a little bit different thing. Um, of course they need to get to the red zone against Baltimore. That's something they have not done much of lately. In or if they want to break out something new, got to get there first. You know what that feels like to me? What's that? Jay's got sad stats. I sure do. 
Please <laughs> take the floor, Jay. And you know, it's been a minute since you know in this in this year of yeah. optimism for the Bengals. It's been a minute since we've had some Jay has some truly sad stats, but I'm glad that they're back. They make me feel at home. It's been a minute. It's actually it's been a hundred and fifty minutes and twenty six <laughs> seconds since the last time the Bengals scored a touchdown against the Baltimore Ravens. The last Bengals touchdown against the Baltimore Ravens was a Ryan Finley pass to Tyler Eifert. That's wow. how long ago it was. Wow. 711 days, 29 drives. The, the, in this time, what it was, it was they didn't score at all against them last No touchdowns against them last year. It was the second game in 2019. It was right before halftime. So 10 quarters without a touchdown against the Ravens. Um, 29 drives over that time. Um, on those 29 drives, the av- the Bengals have averaged 17 yards per drive and one first down per drive. Altogether, six points in 29 drives. They're averaging 0.2 points per drive against the Ravens going back to 2019. Not great, Bob. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's just take a quick break. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Let's dive into this Baltimore game. There's no better place to start if we're going to start diving into some of the intricacies of Sunday. Uh, Then with Jeff Zrebeck, uh, our guy uh, in in Baltimore. Let's, let's, Let's head over. Our Ravens beat writer and Cincinnati media darling, the anti-Mark Caboli. Uh, Jeff, Jeff, how many uh, how many Cincinnati media appearances do you have lined up this week? Three so far, and one is pending. But you guys <laughs> to the first, and that's the way it should be. Yeah, well, we do appreciate it for sure. <laughs> I, I, you know, just starting right away, I think in my mind, one of the most surprising results this year was what the Ravens did to the Chargers last week. I, I, I didn't see that coming at all. And it, it feel, you know, the way that the season started for the Ravens where they legitimately could have been 0-3, um, how big of a surprise was that that game to you? And d- does it feel like this team is really kind of kicking into gear? Yeah, you know, I was surprised. And I, I actually picked the Chargers to win, which I've been reminded <laughs> of countless times over the last five days. Um, but, I, I you know, 
I, people talk about it a lot, and I always wondered. Uh, th- there has to be something to that whole East Coast, uh, West Coast to East Coast early morning thing. And, uh, you know, we, we're we not talking about the Chargers uh, for very long, but the fact that the Chargers got in their hotel around dinner time on Saturday night and they weren't even delayed. It was that was just a plan. That's that's that was an odd choice uh, by their organization to arrive in town that late. And uh, you know the Ravens are a physical team. You guys know it. You've watched them for years, and they have a good defense. Uh, that's you know is a good pedigree and. Um, you know, they were kind of challenged all week. So they responded. Uh, the Chargers just aren't, the Chargers are going to be fine, but they're, uh, you know, that's a, that was a tough assignment for them. And I guess I just underestimated that, but there's no question. I mean, you know, the Ravens have found ways to win, but the flaws are obvious. I mean, you, we've seen them every week, um, whether it's, they can't run the ball or their defense has given up a lot of big plays. Tackling has been bad defensively, but that was really the first game where you saw everything come together for the most part. I mean, they made a couple of mistakes offensively or that would have been even worse, but, um, yeah, for them to kind of go from what they were doing, where they're winning games, almost despite themselves at times to kind of putting together that type of effort. Uh, I was surprised. They looked quite legitimate, uh, Sunday against the chargers and, uh, they even in compiling, you know, that record, there's been times where it's clear where you could find all sorts of ways in their play. Why they shouldn't have the record that they did you mentioned how physical that that defense that Baltimore defense is I mean nobody knows that better than Joe Burrow after last year's game in Baltimore where he was just I mean beat up the entire game you know Wink really Wink Martindale really kind of brought some stuff that that the Bengals and Burrow weren't ready for and he's they've they've always been at the top of the league in blitz percentage but you look at it this year and it's it seems like it's way down it's in the 39 percent mark I think in 2019 they led the league at 55 percent um do you think this is a philosophy change with this with Wink and with this defense or is it more a matter of hey we're playing Patrick Mahomes we're playing Jared Goff playing even Justin Herbert being young is a really quality quarterback. Is it, is it just a matter of the quarterbacks they've played or is it, is this kind of a change in philosophy? I think it's a little of both uh, Jay. And, you know, that's a really good question. Um, you know, we all know how Mahomes kills the blitz and he's just mm-hmm. taken the Ravens apart over the years in it. So that was an obvious uh, their game plan in that game was an obvious uh, nod to, to his success against the blitz. Um, other, you know, they're doing things a little differently. They've had a lot of simulated pressures, uh, where maybe they'll, uh, drop a defensive, you know, drop a backer and send a, send, um, send his cornerback or send a, a safety. Deshaun Elliott's blitzed a lot and Tavon Young from the slot. They're kind of, they're kind of getting after doing different things. Um, I think part of it too is there's no Marcus Peters back there and, you know, Marcus Peters, indeed can be susceptible to giving up big plays, but he's also an all-pro caliber cornerback who makes big plays. And, you know, Anthony Averett's filled in for him and done a nice job, but he's still kind of learning on the job and he's not a Pro Bowl corner, you know? So uh, I don't think, you know, their coverage has been 
has given Wink uh, enough of a reason to, you know, leave them on an island all the time and not worry about it. Uh, so I think it's kind of a nod to the personnel uh, that they have and, and, and their ability to kind of impact the quarterback in other ways. I mean, every week they pull out some different things. It was interesting. Justin Herbert said we never saw a lot of that stuff that they showed us. So that's their kind of goal to kind of stay ahead. They don't have you know, they've, they're, they're, they've some good players, no doubt. Marlon Humphrey and, and, you know, there's some good players in that defense, but they're not elite in every area where they can just kind of depend on it. They need to, they need to do some different things every week to kind of stay ahead. And, uh, you know, I think that's more of a case of wink kind of looking at the matchups, deciding what's the best way to go about it. And, uh, also, you know, protecting the secondary a little bit. You know, another thing that jumped out at me that feels like it it maybe is a sea change. You will know better, but all the talk this week in Cincinnati is how do you stop Lamar Jackson? How do you contain Lamar Jackson? And I was looking, you know, since he's been a starter, he's had, he's rushed eight times or fewer, only 11 times, but three of them have been in the last four weeks is are our teams take doing a better job of taking that away or is Lamar just becoming that much better of a passer where he doesn't feel the need to take off and run? I think teams are, focusing more on taking that away partly because the running backs they have don't scare anybody mm-hmm. i mean they're they're more than happy to let uh lamar stick it in the belly of latavius murray or tyson williams or Le'Veon bell as long as that means he doesn't have it so they're trying to take away him keeping it as as much as possible. A lot of his runs, quite frankly, have been on scrambles where he's, you know, hasn't seen anything. He's just taken off a lot of that RPO stuff where he keeps it. We have not seen much of that all year. There's one game uh, where we saw a lot of it, but uh, you know, they've cut down a little bit that stuff. And there's also Jay, he, they haven't talked about it, but he's taken a beating earlier this year. Um, he took some big hits in week one. Missed some practices, uh, whether it's a back injury or, you know, sick or, you know, he's he's been banged up a little bit. Um, and then, you know, he's much better in the passing game. You know, he's been much improved. And now they have an actually representative group of wide receivers and targets uh, that they feel a little more comfortable throwing the ball to. So, uh, yeah, they, they've definitely cut down on that a little bit. I think they know it's still going to be there when they need it. Uh, but. You know, they don't have the same pop in the running game that they used to. So uh, I think teams a lot of times are the full focusing on taking that away. Jeff, you you had a great appearance. I recommend people go listen to the lead from Monday talking about Lamar and how he has advanced as a passer and particularly throwing, you know, outside to the edges more effectively. And, and, you know, people make too big of a deal out of, out of the, what people think of Lamar. But I mean, the bottom line is he's been fantastic. I'm, I'm curious about this. Bengals fans might be, I know I am familiar with James Urban, um, who was the Bengals wide receivers coach that did an incredible job with that young group of AJ Green and Marvin Jones and Muhammad Sanu when they were here and winning a lot of games. He went over and took over as quarterbacks coach for the Ravens. How has how has he been instrumental with Lamar? Because everywhere this guy goes, <laughs> the the people in his room play great and take big steps. He did the same thing in Philadelphia with Mike Vick. Uh, I'm I'm curious what your look is on how how he's maybe helped Lamar and how Lamar has talked about that. Yeah, that's a great question, and and Lamar loves him. I mean, he's the he's, you know, as it should be when your quarterback, your quarterback coach is with you the most. So they're in lockstep. 
they have a great respect for each other. They have a great relationship. Um, and Lamar credits him a lot. Um, and the big thing with James Urban is just sort of getting Lamar to, to focus on certain mechanical things. He knows them, but you know, when the bullets get flying, sometimes you, it gets away from you a little, you resort to what you know. And we've seen in the past that happened to, to Lamar Jackson a little bit where he starts throwing from sidearm and doing different arm angles and, and maybe his mechanics get a little bit lazy, but um, that's where James Urban comes in. He's always, all over Lamar about uh, keeping in mind certain things and and kind of hammering at home and uh, they just have a great rapport. I mean, you know, Lamar won't talk about his success without mentioning James Urban, and it's interesting, guys. Uh, he should get an offensive coordinator shot, and hmm. he, I think it was what was it two years ago. He's they tried to hire him in Cleveland. Stefanski try. I think it was Stefanski. They've had so many damn coaches there. <laughs> you lose track. <laughs> but, um, I think Stefanski and James Urban go way back and have a relationship. And he wanted him as an offensive coordinator. Now Stefanski's the play caller there, so it wouldn't have been like a you know a, a, an offensive huge promotion in terms of he'd be calling plays. But Ravens wouldn't allow. You know the Ravens denied permission. You know they'd already reached a contract with James. Games and you know they didn't want to let him go to a division rival, which is understandable. At some point, though, he's going to have to start getting the credit he deserves for for what he's done for the development of Lamar Jackson. Because uh, you know Lamar swears by him, everybody trusts him, and it's probably about time he kind of gets a promotion uh, somewhere. You know the, the Ravens have just owned the Bengals here lately, six in a row, and last year two just destructions. I'm, I'm curious what anytime you talk to these players or coaches, like I say, it's division game, take it serious. But ha have you noticed any, any, any kind of change this week where you, you get the sense that the, the Ravens think this team is for real, that this is a big game for, for first place in the, in the division? Yeah, I do. Um, and uh, you know, you always hear uh, for the Ravens have this reputation for being, you know, having a lot of swagger and, and you know, being big talkers, but that's, that's really not been the case for several years now, you know, like Ray Lewis was not walking through that door and Terrell Suggs has been long gone. And all those guys that used to basically say what's on their mind, uh, no problem with bulletin board material are gone. Uh, so what you get with this Ravens team is a lot of verbal bouquets talking about everybody. Uh, but it was kind of clear just how they were yesterday. I mean, you know, Mark Andrews and, um, you know, they were very serious in yesterday. There wasn't a whole lot of joking around and, and messing around. I mean, there's a lot of cliched responses, and, and I don't think it's lip service all. I don't think John Harbaugh was paying the Bengals lip service when he said they're a top 10 team. They're one of the better teams in the NFL, and if you don't believe that, turn on the film. Uh, they feel like this team is legitimate and it's going to be a team they're going to have to get through and, and they're going to have to play really well to win, win Sunday. I, you know, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Marlon Humphrey talked yesterday about how he feels like just adding chase has just brought everybody's level up. Like it's, it's him. He's made the NFL look pretty easy, but then everybody else has, has raised their level up too. And uh, Lamar Jackson talked about how how different he sees their defense. I, I don't think they're just saying this to to you know get get the answers out of there and avoid you know bulletin board material. I, I think the Ravens have been legitimately impressed as they should be. I, I mean, it, it's exciting. I mean, the Bengals are 
are further ahead than I thought they'd be this year. You know, like Jay, we've, we've done the whip around and I thought they were absolutely on the right track. They'd be much improved this year. They're better than I thought. And I think the Ravens feel the same way and know they're going to have to be at their best to win Sunday. This is, this is a, this is going to be a fun matchup. Uh, Curious too. um, We all saw week one, how Max Crosby just ate alive Villanueva. Um, Now he's on the other side, but I know he's battling a knee injury. How serious is that? How, how I know McCar- you wrote about Macari this week and how well he's been playing, but um, how much concern is there with that, with that Villanueva against Trey Hendrickson matchup? Yeah. I mean, you know, last year, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, uh, it was a primetime game with Steelers versus the Bengals. And I, and I, you know, like, a loss and just obliterated Villanueva. I mean, it, it, it was bad. And I know, you know, Hendrickson is a very good player. Lawson's his own player. Um, but he's been fine. He, he's been getting periodic days off. He's obviously got something going on there with his knee, uh, but we've kind of seen it the last three, four weeks. He's been on the injury report. Um, but the Ravens are playing better offensively from a from an offensive line perspective then probably their talent dictates they should if you know what I mean I, I think mm-hmm. it's a very offensive line friendly scheme um and Lamar Jackson protects those tackles a lot I mean you got a guy in Patrick uh Macari who's you know a basically a converted backup center and he's been out there for five games now and he's really held his own and they've played the likes of Von Miller and Chris Jones and those guys but that tackle, you know, their offensive line in general, but the tackle spot in specific is an area where I think teams feel like they can get after the Ravens. And the Ravens do their best to protect those guys with Pat Ricard, the fullback, and chip in and, and all that stuff. Um, and they do, you know, but those guys are, you know, they're not upper echelon tackles in this league. I mean, they can be had uh, in the right system and, um, you know, that definitely every game, that's sort of a concern. You wonder if this is the game where those guys kind of struggle and, and the Ravens offense really can't get it off the ground as a result. But I think teams look at that area as an area where the Ravens certainly can be exploited. Yeah. And the Bengals certainly hope so. I mean, that's, that's, that's going to have to happen if this is going to be the close game that they, they want it to be. Um, Jeff, really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. I don't know if you have any connections at Moe's. If you can get us a reservation for Saturday night, we'd love to <laughs> eat some crab. Well, yeah, I can make that probably happen, <laughs> uh, you know, and, but it'll be cool. It's, a, um, you know, it's, it's weird. The Ravens haven't played in division yet, and it's, it's yeah. you know, here we are. This is their first game in the division. So I don't really think, you know, I think in general, this game will tell us more about the Bengals than it will the Ravens. Uh, you know, I think everybody knows how much improved the Bengals are, but you, you still, you kind of, they sort of still have to get over that Ravens hump and, and start beating the, you know, the top teams in the division to, for, I think people are kind of give them the respect that they've probably earned. So, uh, but it should be fun. Can't wait to see you guys. You guys travel safe. Uh, enjoy Saturday night in uh, good old Charm City and look forward to seeing you Sunday. <laughs> All right, always good to catch up with uh, with Jeff and and I hope people are enjoying the squeaky wheel as promised for our bumpers, for our sound. Uh, it's the squeak, no longer squeaky as it's been, it's been, all cleaned up and and sprayed down with WD four doesn't. But I I will never forget the squeak and it'll always be partial to me. The people love it on Twitter. 
they, they, they can't get enough of it and i, I love it too it's it, i i don't want it to come back because it is annoying and it interrupts the the first couple words a, a guy says but i'm glad that you captured it before it went away we all I, it's i'm just i'm just glad it exists and i'm happy that we could we could continue to give the cart uh some love let's talk about this game um Look, I, I, I think the one thing, and we talked about this on Tuesday, we give all these headlines to Burrow and Chase, and we're going to talk about this Ravens defense and everything. You know, the, the Bengals defense is against Lamar is really going to be where this game is decided and, and, and if they can sort of live up to this thing because um, they've, they've built themselves to be able to stop a team like this. And I think – I think that's how they win. I don't think they're ready to win in a shootout against the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a game that you need to come out of it saying defense really carried them to that one. And and the offense can do enough, but I don't I don't see them winning thirty four to thirty one. You know what I mean? I I think this is one that they would if they're going to win it, they're going to need to hit the under, which is forty seven. Um, maybe then I'm, I'm way under on my predicted score for that. I, I think it's going to be an old school, uh, Bengals, Baltimore game, low scoring, close, entertaining, um, in the kind of game that you said that the Bengals need to have to, to win this game. Um, that, that, that Ravens offense is so good, but the, the Bengals defense, this is it. This is the big test. It's, it's been really good this year. Um, can they slow down the Ravens and, in, in keep it a game I, I don't think the Bengals offense as good as they've been in the red zone with the flashes with the deep ball I don't think they can be consistently good enough to to get this game into the the upper 20s but I do I have faith in that that Bengals defense that they can slow the the Ravens enough to to keep this close into the fourth quarter yeah I'm yeah, I'm I'm gonna be curious to see where this thing ends up and because look I I just don't see this being a game where the Bengals are all of a sudden exposed. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I, I think we've seen enough. I think we've seen six weeks of enough, and they're healthy enough. You know that this we know who they are, and we know that how much this game means to them. I, so I, I don't see them coming out like sloppy or laying an egg or whatever, overlooking anything. I mean, the, I, I, you get a sense of extreme focus, and when we've seen them on extreme focus, and when we've seen them on the road this year, they've played really well, and and they've competed. They've been with everybody. I mean, Chicago, you know, withstanding, you know, they've they've been right there and either blown out or or, or hung with even even the best in the league. So I. I I would be tr- only thing that would truly stun me honestly would be you know uh, another blowout by the by the Ravens in particular I I that would really really stun me I just don't I, I just don't see that happening Yeah because I I don't I don't know that this the Bengals offense can be super productive but I don't think that we're going to see what we saw last year where where Joe Bar- Burrow looked lost and confused I mean, he's. This is it. This is the another chance to play a team that he's he's played once before. And yes, it's a different year, but 
I, I just I think he's grown so much in that regard. And, you know, we talked about it with Jeff. The Ravens aren't blitzing as much um, this year. Maybe that changes this week. But Burrow's been so good against the blitz. I, You know, the, the Ravens see that. Wink Martindale sees that. I don't think he's going to roll the dice there and start sending tons of pressure at, at Joe. The, the, the one area that really I, I think is most interesting to me is is Mark Andrews. Yet yeah, they they got their their first round pick Rashad Bateman in there, and that adds a dynamic with Hollywood Brown as the receivers. But man, Mark Andrews ate Von Bell alive last year, and he talked about that about how he he recommitted himself this offseason to to be better in pass coverage, and we have seen it, but we haven't seen him face really an elite tight end. They did a good job against Hawkinson last week, and Hawkinson's a first round pick, but Andrews is on a different level. And if if you watched their their game that Monday night game against Indianapolis he was just unstoppable um so that's that's where I really think this this Bengals defense needs to to lock down the running backs don't really scare you for Baltimore the receivers are good but a lot of those come on on broken plays when Lamar's just scrambling around and DBs just can't cover that long it, it's the it's the planned stuff the scripted stuff to Mark Andrews where I think that the the Bengals, if they can shut that down, then they've really got a chance to keep this a low-scoring game and, and keep it a close game. Well, one thing that stood out that Jeff said was talking about you know the flaws that you have seen in the Ravens when they were kind of winning despite themselves for a while this year, and that was allowing big plays, and they can't really run the ball. And I thought that fit right into the Bengals' wheelhouse, right? I mean, they have the best deep threat in football right now in Jamar Chase, and that has been an absolute – you know, lightning rod for them to to jolt their offense, and their defense has done a great job of stopping the run and 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 containing you know whatever anybody else is trying to throw at them there. So if you can make Lamar one dimensional, even though that dimension has been spectacular this year, and you can get those chunk plays over the top that you have been getting from Chase, and continue to have that jolt your offense. You like your chances better. Without doubt. And I think, you know, those are the things when you talk about, okay, this is who the Ravens have been. This is how teams have put them in jeopardizing situations. Bengals need to do that on Sunday. Um, let's, Jay, you have some stats, some defensive stats, correct? Yeah, it, it kind of goes to what you were saying and what Jeff was saying about the, the, the big plays that Baltimore has given up. That One of the ways you give up big plays is guys like Jamar Chase just taking the top off. The other one is the other way is kind of what we saw in that Green Bay game when when Von Bell misses Aaron Jones in the backfield and he goes 59 yards. You miss tackles, you set up a chance for the other team to have a huge play. This this was maybe my most surprising stat of the year so far. If you look at missed tackle percentage, the Bengals rank fifth this year. They're only missing 8.4 percent of their tackles. The Ravens are 31st. When was the last time a Baltimore defense was 31st in anything? Um, They are missing a lot of tackles. And I I think that's an area where you, you know, you get Joe Mixon going and he slips. We've seen it so many times where it looks like he's, he's he's one tackle away from breaking a really big one. Um, If if he can rip off a couple of those, it, it really sets something up. And again, if they don't, if they take the deep ball away from Chase and they start hitting the under the underneath stuff, we haven't really seen this. But they talked about it so much when they drafted him at, at how good he is with the ball in his hands, where he's almost like a running back 
with the ball in his hands. If if they can hit him on some slants and some shorter stuff and he shakes the corner, he could turn it into a another one of his long gains, just look a little different instead of over the top, take take break a tackle and go underneath. Um I, I think that's a big deal. That's it's small sample size, six six games, but it was stunning to see the Ravens sitting there at thirty first with the most missed tackles. Patrick Queen near the bottom of their PFF ratings rankings too on their defense grades this mm-hmm. year. So I mean, which is surprising. A guy, a great linebacker out of LSU who Bengals fans had eyes on uh, in, in the draft. Um, let's do this uh, run passer boot time All right. to uh, to kind of break down. I, I, so here's our our run passer boot for Sunday. Jay, you got this? I do. Okay. I, I think this is another one. It's going to be close. It's going to be hard, and it's going to be relevant. Uh, first, Ravens sack yardage. And just for reference, last year, that game against Burrow was 48. <laughs> That's rare. Usually, this is somewhere in the 20s. Um, so, Ravens sack yardage, Bengals points, or Bengals offensive lineman penalty yards. Which is more? Okay. I am going to run with Bengals points. Okay. And then I am going to pass. I'm going to I'm going to pass on penalty yards. I think there's going to be some penalties. And I'm going to, I'm going to boot sack yards cuz I think I mean it's possible like that I, this could be bad, but I just I think they'll the sacks will at least maybe be able to limit them and you won't have as many of those big losses uh and keep it under wraps on a two to three sack type day. I think like a three for three for fourteen or three for thirteen maybe feels feels right to me there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna boot it. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I'm booting the sack yards, but I'm gonna flip the other ones. I'm gonna I'm gonna run with Bengals offensive line penalty yards. I just think the the noise in Baltimore, the 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 quality of that defense. It was loud in Detroit, but you, it wasn't a great defense. Um, who knows what's what's going on with with Burrow's voice? I mean, obviously they're going to be on a silent count at the line, but is he going to have trouble communicating in the huddle? There, it just it just feels ripe for you know maybe two false starts and two holding penalties, and right there you're at thirty. Um, so I'll, I'll run with the penalty yards. I'll pass on the points and, and I'll boot sack yards as well. All right. Uh, the spread for this game is Ravens six and a half and the over under 47. It should be known in the expert predictions, Mark Caboli picking the Bengals to win. Mate, want to make sure that's noted again? Yeah. He's, I mean, he's, he's kissing up. He's kissing <laughs> Picking Bengals as his uh, his underrated guys in the whip around. You know, also picking the Bengals. I think there's eight of us that pick these games every week. We pick every game. Cat uh, Terrell, former Bengals beat writer, uh, also going with the Bengals to beat the Ravens. Oh, she's 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 going with her heart. Her heart's still in Cincinnati. She yeah. likes Joe Burrow and yeah. Jamar Chase more than she likes Patrick Queen. Yeah, going with her LSU <laughs> her LSU connections. Her LSU connections. Uh, so. I think I definitely would be hitting the the cover on this. I, I six and that is a big number. It's a surprising number. It's a disrespectful mm-hmm. number, I think. 
and it goes to show that the that there's still a national sense of viewing the Bengals as a pretender, and that's fair. I mean, they they didn't beat the Packers. You know, you still it is still early. I, I just think I we've seen enough to tell me that they're that they're they're for real. And people, it's gonna it always takes people longer to believe nationally he don't pay attention and don't see all the signs and i think that's a betting pattern that you're seeing here with that line i i just i don't i don't see these as a as six and a half difference teams they don't even as good as the ravens are i don't i don't see them as as, as that kind of a line i i'm i'm stunned by that yeah i'm too i mean we talked about this in the walkout i i i guessed it would be three or four um and i'm not a line expert by any means but we we follow this stuff we watch it you you can usually get pretty close you have a good idea what that opening line is going to be and i i was also stunned to see six and a half i again it's it's the, the whole point is to get the same amount of money bet on both teams so if they did go lower i think everybody would have just hammered the ravens and, and vegas would have exposed itself for a, a beat down so maybe that's why it's high trying to entice more non-bengal fans just outside neutral gamblers to go on the bengals but i yeah, i Six and a half was really surprising to me that it's it's that big. All right, Bengals growler bet time. Uh, now we're gonna try to not have this be so close uh, because it's it's been dangerously close. And also, I would I do I we do need to give proper respect. And this was pointed out uh, on Twitter that there was one that was even closer uh, that, and it was from Dan, which is free rider prob. I'm sorry, Dan. That's what I see here as at free rider prob. Uh, he was technically really only one yard away uh, because he, it would have changed the third down percentage from 60 to 53.3, and he nailed the first quarter snaps at 17. So technically, you were so close. Oh, so close. But still means nothing. Uh, and hopefully some of you will also get close and no one will get it this week. Here's this week's Bengals Growler Bet. Again, hashtag Bengals Growler Bet on Twitter. Or send me an email, pdaner at theathletic.com with growler in the subject head somewhere. And this week, you need to get both. Lamar Jackson yards per rush and Lamar Jackson yards per attempt. You got to hit both numbers on the head. Lamar Jackson yards per rush. Lamar Jackson, yards per attempt. P. Daner at theathletic.com. Hashtag Bengals Growler Bet on Twitter. And get that in before kickoff. And you could win some delicious 50 West beer. And Christmas cookies out now. If you're just like ready to get in all the way into the winter season, Christmas cookies out. And it, I'm not ready for it yet. It was, it was a big uh, hashtag too soon for me on that. Uh, <laughs> but I did notice it. And it does have me excited now, even once we get out of home sweet home fall season. So still time. You have to wait till after Halloween to drink a Christmas beer, right? I agree. I, yeah. I absolutely agree. And I think it's fair game then. November gets here. I'll I'll consider a Christmas cookie. Just like I'll start opening myself up to the Great Lakes Christmas sale 
although we'll be there after Christmas. Um, the question with the game in Cleveland yeah. this year being in January 9th, how long does Great Lakes Brewery keep their Christmas ale out? We might is have it, to is ask it still to, there on January 9th when we go? I hope so. We, we might have to ask them to put a case aside. Yes. Anybody that has knowledge of that. Uh, well, it's, it's not about getting a case. It's about the fresh out of the tap. You know, yeah. I want it fresh from the house. Because we can, we can pick up some Christmas ale. But I want it fresh. I, I think if we if we go to Great Lakes Brewery, I bet I bet they're still they'll still have kegs. I mean, that's only what two weeks after Christmas. We, I don't know. Be- I don't. I don't know the patterns. I'm always surprised when people like Mad Tree don't have Dreamsicle in the summer when it's in, late in the summer <laughs> when it's like the best summer beer ever, and some reason they just decide not to have it, even though it's still very warm. I don't understand some of the brewery patterns. That's maybe it comes down to selling out. Maybe we, we need nervous. to encourage. We need to tell people that Christmas ale is not as good as advertised, and <laughs> nobody should drink it this year. And then okay. maybe there'll be some left over by the time we good get. Good luck with that. <laughs> good luck with that. Uh, Bengals growler bet. Jay, where are you? Where are you at? Um, I'm going. I'm sticking with my palindrome theme. I'm going to go 5.7 on rushing yards per attempt and 7.5 on passing yards per attempt. I'm going to go uh I think Lamar gets some chunks uh throwing it. So I'm going to I'm going to go 9-2. And rushing I'm going to go I'm going to go 3-8. I think they contain him trying to run the ball, but I do think he he finds some chunks throwing it. Uh so 9-2 and 3-8 is mine. Where are we at on growler bets this season between you and I? Well, the overall you're still killing me but i won what what so the I've, overall is what the overall is four to two four to two thank you so i, make sure I had not record. i had not won a growler bet since uh august 19th since the preseason we had we had you had won three in a row with two ties so you were three oh and two in the last five and i i beat you last week um i had 50 percent on the third down percentage and 14 snaps and you had 33% and 12. So I was closer on both. Congratulations to you. Way to get back in the win column. Nice bounce back for you. Turn it around, just like the the Bengals red zone. That's right. Uh, all right, predictions. Jay, you, I know which way you're going because you were on the record in the expert picks. Uh, are you sticking with that or are you going to call a, a little hot route here? No, I'm sticking. I'm 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 actually doubly on the record because the whip around came out this morning, and that was the final question in the whip around was picking this game as well with a score, and and I went Ravens twenty three, Bengals seventeen. So I'll stick with that. The the cover by half a point. Um, I I it, I think they can win this game, and it won't surprise me if they do. But I just I can't pick them not yet. Not till not till they show they can score a touchdown against the Ravens. Let alone play play close games with them um do it this time and then maybe i'll pick him at home against the ravens but i'm i'm going ravens 23 Bengals 17 at some point we have to stop comparing this team to last year they are different they're they are. totally different they're just are so different um and 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 i'm for that reason not going to think about the fact that they haven't scored a touchdown <laughs> in 29 drives i'm not, and i'm going to believe that this that everything about them says they're different so they are different i feel like we've seen enough to believe in in who they are and i think who they are is somebody 
who's much better than a lot of people are giving them credit for, and I think they're they're up on par with Baltimore. I think they win. Wow. I have Bengals 24-23 in this one. So I agree with you on the 23 for Baltimore. <laughs> but I'm going to go red zone makes a difference. Red zone defense for the Bengals gets forces three Justin Tucker field goals, and they get three touchdowns and McPherson at the gun. Uh, for the win in Baltimore, a very similar type of effect as the 4 Carson Palmer drive for the game-winning field goal attempt that catapulted that particular group that has a whole lot of striking similarities to this emerging Bengals team. That's my thoughts on that. You know what else I have thoughts on, Jay, before we leave? What? Survivor. Oh, yes. We were asked, we were asked for Survivor talk by somebody on Twitter, and I feel like we have to give them what they want because they were saying that everyone loves Nasir, right? (laughs) By the way, thanks to everybody for listening that doesn't care about Survivor. We'll talk to you next time. Uh, (laughs) We're done with everything else. But for those that want this, uh, I I didn't necessarily – I I didn't necessarily have strong feelings on Nasir yet. I, 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 I like him, but I don't think he has much of a chance to win. No. But he's he seems fun. pretty lost strategically. Yeah. From the get-go, he wasn't he the one early that was going around to everybody? It seemed like he was going to be the very first boot. Um, and and then, I mean, last week was just a cra- incredible. If, for people that don't watch the show that are still around, his tribe tried to throw the challenge so they could vote off. Uh, so I think it was Erica on their team they wanted to get rid of. And these guys are trying to lose, doing everything they can and Nasir single-handedly wins that challenge for them. It's like, how how is that even possible? How can you have six people with two of them trying to lose and you still win? And he is, he's and he did it again this week just to chat. They weren't trying to lose, but he was just a challenge beast. And anybody that is a little, he's not super old, but anybody that's a little bit older that pl- does well in challenges, I have a soft spot in my heart for. And he's just funny in his interviews, and he's he's, he's good in challenges. And I'm rooting for that guy. I don't think he's going to win. But I am rooting for him. Jay, you really like the challenges because you love old people playing in the sand, just like you do with sand volleyball. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I have one thing that made me th- – this last episode I did not like because it's one of these things that we're like, are we still talking about these people? And that was we had basically have a whole episode of Sean and Ricard and Jeannie this this tribe of losers who there's three of them now at this point and now there's only two after they had they lost again and it's, it's like look you guys are going to just get absolutely eaten up once you get merged in because there's really only just two of you and you're going to try to make other connections but inevitably these original tribe connections tend to continue but my favorite line that happened in, in, was this i believe it was ricard who said about her and sean we are running this game <laughs> no you're not no who are you what are you running genie you're 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 running the one other person that's in your tribe that you guys are gonna have to now vote out you're not running anything you are the weakest tribe there's only two of you now like what what do you think that you're running i it, it cracked me up i kept thinking it the whole as the episode continued to just be about these three people I kept saying, all I kept saying was, we are running this game, man. There is no doubt. <laughs> running it. <laughs> yeah, I always Hopefully pay attention. Hopefully we can meet some of the other people now in the next coming yes. episodes because I'm kind of done with these two. 
that's what I was just going to say. I always pay attention to the edit and who gets the attention. Um, and that's, I, I think you're right. I think they did go so heavy on those, those three this week because the boot was going to come from that tribe. And now after the merge, I, I, I think that they're, they're the, the first two, the two that are left from that tribe are going to be the first two kicked out after the merge. And that's why they're kind of giving them their screen time now. And then we'll gradually be a little more introduced to the people that are, are going to be in it for the long haul. Let's hope so. Cause I can't take a whole season of that <laughs> stupid song that oh she my hums. <laughs> I'm done with it. Did you notice they actually like started yes. playing it? The- <laughs> yes, I did notice that. And I really don't want that to be a thing either. So we really need to just go ahead and, and if we could just go ahead and get rid of her. That'd be great. And then they won't be running this game anymore. Uh, all right. Jay, been a pleasure. Thanks everybody for listening here to that podcast, Growlin'. We will, of course, talk to you from Baltimore on Sunday after the game, after the Bengals play the Ravens for the walkout. So I hope everybody will check in for that. Once again, subscribe to The Athletic. You can go and go to any of the links in the show notes here for this and uh, go, go get in on those, those deals while you can. So thanks everybody for listening. We'll talk to you next time on Hear That Podcast, Growlin'.